welcome to the ninth reading or episode of the podcast, The Holy Ground of Honey Creek, The Reflections of a Small Town Pastor, written by Reverend I. Dean Jordan, read to you by John Jordan. Reverend Jordan spent more than 40 years being a minister in small towns throughout Wisconsin, and he realized that during the, that time, there had been challenges to our faith, and he thought somebody should write a book about it. Not a grand sweeping view of religious history, but rather the insights gained in serving the local congregations as we struggle to put our faith into practice. The book that he wrote consists of essays, sermons, and liturgy that he has created during his time as a minister. In this episode, or this podcast, we are looking at the sermon entitled, Simon the Wizard of Acts, which was first given on May 22, 1977, at the United Methodist Churches in Orfordville and Evansville, Wisconsin. The stated purpose for this sermon is, Greater than the wonder power is the gift of love which makes us fully human. He uses as the text for his sermon, Acts 8, verses 9 through 24. For some weeks, I've been wanting to introduce you to a fascinating character. I ran across him in the book of Acts one day and liked him at once probably because he reminded me so much of the wizard in The Wizard of Oz. Delightful character, sideshow magician type of person. Somewhat bombastic, good-hearted, wouldn't really hurt anybody intentionally, but constantly tempted to con people for his own profit. His name was Simon, and he was a magician working the area of Samaria. He was really good. His act was so good, in fact, that the people thought he must have some connection with God, a thought he did nothing to discourage. Again, it reminds me of the Wizard of Oz. Then came the first persecution of Christians in Judea. This was before Paul was converted. Paul's name at that time, you remember, was Saul. As with all political or religious stormtrooper mentality and practice, Saul and his men would storm into a house seeking people known to be or thought to be, or rumored to be Christian. Both men and women would be dragged out of their homes and into concentration-type prisons, many of them to die. No wonder Paul was so mistrusted when later he became a Christian and then a Christian evangelist. It was really a frightening time to be Christian in Judea. It was during this time that the good Christian man named Stephen was stoned to death, and Saul, like some sinister movie character armored in cruel self-righteousness, stood to one side holding the coats of the rock throwers, smiling with satisfaction as Stephen died. Naturally, as soon as they realized what was happening, the Christians, as many as could, took off for other places, escaped or become refugees or displaced persons. Well, an evangelist named Philip headed for Samaria. The Jews and Christians were constantly clashing, something like the Protestants and Catholics in Ireland. But the Samaritans themselves were good people. When Philip went there, he was warmly welcomed. They were moved by his preaching and amazed at his ability to heal those who were mentally and physically ill. You would think that Simon, who had the region of Samaria pretty much to himself, would be jealous and would use his influence to get Peter chased out. But as I said, he was a good-hearted man, and instead of being jealous, he believed in what Philip was preaching and was baptized by him, and even traveled with him. 
Now occurred an event that I don't fully understand. The apostles who had stayed in Jerusalem on learning of Philip's success sent Peter and John to pray for and lay their hands on the people Philip had baptized so that they could receive the Holy Spirit. This was because, the report has it, that those Philip had baptized had only been baptized in the name of Jesus. Now, when you asked, what is the difference between baptism of the Holy Spirit and baptism only in the name of Jesus? The answer is power. And when you ask, what kind of power? The answer is, the power to do signs and wonders. Today, we translate this as miracles and think chiefly of the miracle of healing by the touching of hands. I've just finished reading a book about some Appalachian Christian people who believe that they were anointed by the power of the Holy Spirit so that they can safely handle poisonous snakes and drink such liquids as strychnine. Their experience and witness inclines me to be less judgmental and less ready to try to explain these things away. I think the gift of the Holy Spirit does, in some cases, give the power to do miracles. But I think that this is only one of the gifts of the Spirit, and not the main one at that. But apparently Simon, the wizard, good old foolish man, thought of this gift of the Spirit in terms of miracle power, and the old temptation got the best of him. You can almost see the dollar signs in his eyes as he said to Peter and John, Hey, fellas, name your price. I'd like to get my hands on some of this power, too. This is where the word simony comes from, the purchase of religious authority or items by money. Then hot-headed Peter really laid into Simon. I've been scolded a few times and I don't like it at all. I sure would want to feel the heat of Peter's anger, but Simon the Wiz felt it. And I think it revealed a lot about Simon's goodness that he didn't get angry in return, but asked forgiveness. That is all we hear of Simon the Magician in the New Testament. But there are some other writings from the early church times, and they mention Simon. And what they say makes me think again of the Wizard of Oz. You remember how at the end of the movie the wizard was going to help Dorothy get back to her home in Kansas by flying off with her in his balloon? But he bungled it again. The mooring let loose, and he drifted off on his own, away from the main action. That's the way with good old Simon, the Wizard of Acts. Later reports indicate that he drifted away from the true faith into some heretical movement. Legend says he engaged in a series of heated public debates with Peter. But even so, after that, he drifted on and is lost to view. Scholars don't view him as leniently as I do. To them, he is far more proud, scheming, and avarice than he seems to me. But as I've said, I see him through the character of the Wizard of Oz. While he drifted away from the biblical faith, I think he did not drift beyond God's care and forgiveness. I picture him now in heaven working out new magic routines to amuse the angel children. But there is one thing this episode clearly teaches. The gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift. It cannot be bought. Simon the magician offered to buy it, and the apostle Peter really reamed him out. If we translate this into practical church terms today, we'd have to say, we give our money to God's kingdom through the church, not to buy God's gifts. That's impossible. Rather, having already received God's gifts, we give in return out of our gratitude. There's another thing Simon the wizard did for me. He helped clarify in my mind an idea that has been growing over the last several months. 
In the first place, the power to do wondrous things is not always a gift of the Holy Spirit. It may be a purely human talent possessed by a few and used for their own ends. Consider Jesus' comment about Judgment Day that is recorded in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew seven twenty-two through 23 On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoers. Apparently, this wonder-working talent may be misused. And secondly, and more importantly to me, the gift of the Holy Spirit does not have to do exclusively with the signs and wonders. It has to do with what I think we would more commonly and mistakenly call the human side of human nature. All my life I thought that to be fully human was something rather simple and natural. It was helped along by the spiritual qualities of faith and love but was nowhere near as spiritual as the ability to do miracles as Jesus did. Now I am convinced that it is the other way around. To be fully human is as much more a gift of God's Spirit than it is the gift of miracle working. As I've been thinking of Simon and miracle power, another passage that speaks of the gifts of the Spirit has surfaced in my mind. Galatians 22, verses 23 through 25. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. If we live by the Spirit, we also walk by the Spirit. Let us have no self-conceit, no provoking of one another, no envy of one another. This was written by Paul well after his conversion. Paul, who could do signs and wonders. And there is nothing in this list of the fruits of the Spirit about doing miracles. These are what we would more apt to call superb human qualities. This is what leads me to the conclusion that, to be a superb human being, with or without wonder-working power, is a gift of the Holy Spirit. Miracle power is a gift of the Holy Spirit, different from, but no holier than, the gifts of being a human. Consider this paragraph from another of Paul's letters to his converts in Corinth, which is from Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 4-11. through 11. Now there are a varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are a varieties of service, but the same Lord, and there are varieties of working, but it is the same God who inspires them all in every one. To each is given the manifestations of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to that same Spirit, to another faith by that same Spirit, to another's gifts of healing by one Spirit, to another the workings of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are inspired by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Paul takes great care to emphasize that each of these gifts is equal in value to all the others, except for one great supreme gift. Then, after carefully stating the equality of all the gifts in his list, Paul goes on to write, And I will show you a more excellent way. 
And what is that more excellent way? He explains it in that magnificent chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians we all know and treasure. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have all sorts of miraculous powers, but have not love, I am nothing. And he ends the chapter. So faith, hope, love abide, these three. But the greatest of these is love. Poor old Simon the Magician. His interest in magic-like wonders led him into missing the greatest wonder of all, the ability to love. He was ready to waste his money buying the ability to do wonders when what God really wanted him to have and offered him free was the power that created the universe, that holds it together and governs all its action, love, which is concerned for the well-being of all creation, all other humans, and also for oneself. If you want a real wonder-working gift of the Spirit, pray for the gift of love. Love works more wonders in the world and in human beings than any other power there is, and God wants to give it to you free. All you have to do is let God know that you want it. For goodness sakes, ask for it now and constantly. Be a source of it for other human beings. Don't leave the church without it. God wants you to have this precious gift now and forever. Amen, amen, amen. This concludes the sermon, Simon the Wizard of Acts. In the next podcast, we'll be doing the sermon, Love, a Phenomenon of Abundance. For it's preached February 18th, 1962, in the Rosedale Methodist Church in Kansas City, Kansas. The purpose of the sermon is to show the way to the resources of God's boundless love that we might love in turn. Until next time, thank you for listening. I'm John Jordan.